0: For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know, one of the things that I have noticed in countless conversations recently is that there is an underlying theme in uh, so many of the conversations we're having at work, at home, uh, at the gym, in the neighborhood, and the conversations center around just this sense of weariness, this sense of exhaustion that has really set in as we have gone through the last year and a half. And, and, and this exhaustion comes from a lot of different places. It comes from the constant pivoting uh, as a family when it comes to school. It comes from the constant pivoting um, at work. It comes from moving, uh, you know, from one school to another or shifting different things. But there is just this sense of I am just done. And one of the things that has stood out in conversations with parents is this feeling of just simply hanging on and trying to get through the week. And I know for our family, we have felt it personally as well because Katie and I were reflecting this past week on just the sheer exhaustion the mental, the physical, the emotional exhaustion that comes with moving, that comes with setting up new schools and setting up new doctors and dentists and finding where all of the things are, finding where the new stores are, and finding uh, where all the things that we just do every single day and making new routines. And, and there is just this sense of just frustration of panic, there's a sense of sadness that I feel like has set in for a lot of us, there's a sense of weariness that has set in for a lot of us, and as we've gone through this, I've just started to reflect on what's under that, like what what is underneath, is there a commonality that's underneath all of those things, and I think there is, I think there's one thing that is underneath our exhaustion, there's one thing under our weariness and our sadness, there's one thing underneath our frustration, and that is we really like control. We really like to be able to decide things and to see things done the way we want to see things done. We really like to have control. And if we don't have control, we really like the sense that we have control. But here's one of the things that I think we see in Philippians that we're going to see today, and this is incredibly important, and this is where we're headed today, is that our greatest growth happens in our discomfort. Our greatest growth happens in the places of difficulties, in the places that are hard. Our greatest growth happens in our discomfort. I mean, think about it like this. Any kind of goal or accomplishment that you've set out to do, I want you to think for a moment, what is your greatest accomplishment that you've had in the last one or two years? It could be getting out of debt. It could be graduating from from school. It might be a school project or or a project at work. It may be losing a bunch of weight and getting in shape. But what is your greatest accomplishment? If you're watching with somebody, I want you to turn to them and tell them, this is my greatest accomplishment in the last couple of years. And, in, and you can leave it in the comments as well. But for a lot of us, when we think about our greatest accomplishments, we think about just the end. But whether it is a huge school project, whether it is renovating a house, whether it's getting out of debt, Here's one of the things that all of those accomplishments have in common. They were hard. They were difficult. There was joy at the end. But there's something else that happens in them. There was surrender. There was daily decisions to let go of something. There were daily decisions to make a different choice. There were daily decisions that instead of scrolling through social media, you would get done with that project for school or work. Instead of taking that second dessert, you would actually say no. There was surrender to enter into the discomfort so that you would find joy. Because here's what I want, you, here's what I want us to get today, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. That our hope and joy are found in surrender, that our hope and joy are found in the places of surrender, in the places where we let go of control, that our greatest hope, our greatest joy are when we release control in our lives. And this is really the point of Philippians. If you've been tracking with us, you know that the book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote it in a jail cell in the first century. And he's writing in this place of loneliness, of isolation, of where no one is with him. And yet he writes about surrender. He writes about finding hope and joy in the midst of letting go of the dreams that he had, of the things that he thought his life would be, uh, of just not knowing what was going to happen tomorrow and whether or not he was even going to get out of prison. And he says, Hope and joy are found in surrender. And this is what he says in verse five of chapter two. This is a passage that if you have a church background, you have heard countless times. Um, And it actually, we know through history, was actually a worship song, an early hymn for the early church. And this is what Paul says. He says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity, And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, what Paul does in these verses is he tells us what Jesus has done. He tells us that Jesus left heaven so that he could come and make us new, to make all things that we see new. And he comes and he humbles himself, that he's obedient to the point of death, that he surrenders to the will of God the Father. And he tells us in these verses, and I I think this is incredibly important because when we think of Jesus, we see somebody who has every right to hold on to control, has every right To say, I don't need to do that. I has every right to say, you know, I can stay in heaven. But instead, humbles himself and comes to us and surrenders to the will of the Father so that we can be made new, so that you and I can be changed and have life. But what Paul's getting at that I think is an incredibly important question for us to consider, especially in this moment in our culture, and that's this. Do you and I trust God enough to enter in, to surrender? Do you and I trust God enough to release control of the things that we try to control? Do you and I trust God enough with our family, with our finances, with our career, with our relationships to release control? Because what Paul tells us as he sits in this jail cell is that you and I can trust God, that you and I can surrender to God, and on the other side of surrender, we will find hope and joy. But how do we do that? How do we find hope and joy on the other side of surrender? Paul tells us in the very next verse. He says, therefore, now anytime the Bible says, therefore, what the author is telling us is, because of what I just told you, because what I just said is true, your response, the way that you and I live this out, comes next. So he says, therefore, because of this, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so Paul tells us, he says, work out your salvation. He doesn't say work for your salvation. He doesn't say, do this so that you'll be saved. He doesn't say that you can earn your salvation. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And now this is incredibly important. There is nothing, there is nothing that you and I can do to earn our salvation. There is nothing that you and I can do to earn God's love. There's nothing that you and I can do to even get more of God's love than he has already given to us in Jesus. And so when Paul says to work out our salvation, it's, it's this idea, as, as historians tell us, that Paul is using the words that miners would use. Now, I want you to think of miners. They dig into the earth. They go into the earth, down into the cavernous places of the earth, the deep darkness of the earth to find gold, to find the jewels. And so Paul is saying, work out, dig into the places, those things, those stories, those regrets, that shame, that guilt that you don't tell anybody about that are completely hidden in your life that sometimes you and I even try to keep hidden from God. He said it is in that place that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And that word fear, throughout Scripture, when the word fear is used, it's not this like being afraid or like in a scary movie, but it's fear, this reverence, this worship towards God, this trembling in the presence of an almighty God, this reverence. But yet it is a reverence through What Jesus has done. Remember, verses 5 through 11 came first. Jesus is this person, this person who came to you, who came to us. Now, here's what's important. As we think about this mining. I want you to think. You and I keep things hidden. We try to even keep God from things. And what if our greatest opportunity for growth, what if our greatest opportunity for growth in Christ is in the places of our deepest wounds, in the places of the things we try to keep hidden, in the places that we try to keep off limits to those around us, in the places that we even pretend aren't true? What if those are the places, what if that discomfort is the place that God wants to meet you, wants to work in you, and then wants to work through you? Because it's not just us that's working. It's not just us that's digging out and wrestling our story to the ground as we talk so many times in our culture today. But, but Paul says in verse 13, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So as you and I work out our salvation with fear and trembling while we're working, while we're digging, while we're sweating, God is also at work in you. God is at work in you that God is bringing things about, that God is showing you things that you need to deal with, God is showing you places where you need to rest in Him, God is showing you places where you need to enter in to His love. See, this is similar to what Paul said a couple weeks ago in, in chapter one, where it says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so what Paul is saying as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, what we're doing is we're meeting God who's already worked up to the place of our salvation, who's already worked in our lives, in our rescue, in our redemption, that we're meeting God, that God is at work in us and through us and around us. And so it's not just us, but God will complete it. Because too many times we get into this place where we think, you know, how long do I have to work on this? Will this ever end? Will I ever get to this place where we're finally past this? Will I ever get to this place where I can finally stop this, where I don't do this anymore? And Paul says, God will carry it on to completion. God will complete the work that he started in you, that he's given you the power to complete, that he's working in you. See, this is the place of surrender. Do you and I surrender to the work that God is doing? Do you and I enter into the deep, dark places of our stories and lives and surrender to God there? Because remember, hope and joy are found in surrender. But what happens when we surrender? I mean, when you and I, on a daily basis, when we surrender in relationships, what happens? Look at what Paul says in verse 14. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Now, I want to do a little evaluation, and maybe, depending on who you're watching with, if you're watching with someone right now, maybe you don't want to look at them for this, but just between you and I, has there been any grumbling or arguing in your life this past week? Any at all? At home, maybe at work, online, maybe about people at home, maybe about people at work or about people at school? And I get it, you're saying, you know, Josh, you just don't understand. They totally deserved it. I mean, they were just flat out wrong. I mean, the things that they were saying about this at work, the things that they were saying about conspiracy theories, like they were just flat out wrong. And and if you're a parent, and and if you're a student, you're thinking, how am I supposed to go through my life with with my parents, how am I supposed to go through life with my kids and not are you? How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to not grumble about my spouse? But when we understand, when we understand what Paul has said in verses five through 11 of how Jesus has rescued us, of what Jesus has rescued us from, when we surrender to the work that God is doing, here's what we start to see. We start to see that the people in our lives, the people around us, our boss, our parents, our teachers, our coworkers, our spouse, our teenagers, our in-laws, we start to see that God has placed them in our lives many times to bring about greater surrender and greater trust in him. What if the person you grumble about the most, the person that you argue with the most, the person that you argue about the most to your friends, what if that is the person that God has placed in your life, the discomfort that God has placed in your life to bring about hope and joy? Because hope and joy are found in surrender. Be my wonder. Is there like a payoff to that? I mean, if I don't, if I don't grumble and argue, if I, if I surrender that, I mean, like, what's the point of that? And Paul tells us, look at verse 15. He says, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. By holding firm to the word of life, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. So that you and I, Paul tells us the change that Jesus brings about, the surrender that we enter into on the other side of that so that we may be blameless and pure. And you might wonder, okay, but is that really worth it? I mean, being blameless and pure, is that really worth surrender? Is that really worth not arguing, not grumbling? Is that really worth having humility in life? Is that really worth it? But do you know what, when we're not blameless and pure, do you know what we experience? We experience guilt, we experience shame, regret, sadness, pain, exhaustion, we experience aimlessness. See, in the moment, living a life and making decisions that aren't blameless and pure are are, are fun. I mean, like sin is fun. But then the morning comes and we roll over and wonder how we ended up laying next to this person we get in bed and wonder why is it that i clicked on that website again we come home and we get our credit card statement and think why can i not stop buying things i can't afford when we become incredibly codependent in relationships we wonder why can't i let go Or when we hold people at arm's length and we wonder, why can't I experience love? See, living a life that is blameless and pure is one that is full of surrender and leads us to be fully alive. So here's my question for you. What or who in your life right now do you need to surrender to God? What relationship right now do you need to surrender to God? What situation do you need to surrender to God? Is it your finances? Is it your career? Is it something at work that you're just trying to control right now? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe if you're a student, it's your parents. It's friends at school. Your grades. What's the situation that keeps you up at night? What's the addiction that you just keep coming back to that you don't feel like you're able to move forward from? What do you need to surrender to God? Who do you need to surrender to God? Because on the other side of surrender, as we've been saying all morning, hope and joy are found in surrender. And if you're at that place where you say, Josh, I want to surrender. I want to give that over to God. I want to live a life that is blameless and pure. I want to enter into that that growth that God has for me. Here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to check the box on the digital connect card marked surrender. You can find it in the comment section or if you go to our website, it's up in the top right hand corner um, on our online campus. And I want you to check the the box surrender because what we're gonna send to you are ways to enter into that surrender to find hope and joy. Because here's what's true about all of us, I think. All of us want to be fully alive. All of us want to live a life to its fullest. And Jesus promises us that. He promises us that in him we can be fully alive and live a life to its fullest. But the reason that you and I try to control everything is because we think if I control that, if I control that person, then I will experience a full life. If I can get my way, I'll have a full life. But it never gets there. Instead, we find a full life. We find hope and joy in surrender. And so as we close today, as we just get ready to take communion as a church, here's how I want us to prepare our hearts for it. See, communion is an opportunity. It's a reminder for you and I as followers of Jesus of what God has done. It's a reminder of how God has come to us, how God has come to rescue us, how God has come to forgive us and extend his grace and love to us. And it's a reminder that we can trust God, that we can let go of the things that we're trying to control right now and to surrender those to God so that we can find hope and joy in surrender. So here's what I want to ask you again as you prepare your hearts for communion, what do you need to surrender to God? Who do you need to surrender to God? So that on the other side of that, you're able to experience the hope and joy that God has for you. So I wanna invite you to just take a moment and to bring before God that situation, that person, that hurt, that regret, that thing that you're carrying, that thing that you're trying to control, the thing that that keeps you up at night, And say, God, here it is. Here they are. I give them to you. And just surrender them over to him. I want you to take a moment and just do that as we prepare our hearts. And then we'll take communion together.